This morning, we're looking at um, growing a prophetic culture. Four things, four key values that we have in this church are love, build, serve, and celebrate. And so prophecy fits really well into this because the basis of prophecy, as we will see this morning, comes out of love. Uh, Prophecy builds us up. Prophecy serves us as a church. And we can celebrate prophecy. So this is really key stuff for us this morning. Um, God's people are called to be a prophetic people. So I want us to look how we can grow and develop this sort of culture. We have a prophetic culture here, but I'm really keen that we grow and develop in this. And I want to debunk some wrong thinking that we may have on this subject too. I want to encourage you this morning to become radical prophetic people. I'm not talking about coming weird and bonkers, but I use the word radical because it's so easy to become traditional and safe in our following of Jesus, in our discipleship. The pioneers of New Frontiers, who we belong to, were radical people and are still very radical people. But it's easy with the passing of time to let that edge slip. Terry Virgo said, I love this quote, tradition sets on God's people quicker than skin sets on custard. It happens to us, and we need to be aware of it. Jesus fought against tradition, the religious traditions of his day. So let's be radical disciples and followers uh, of Jesus. I personally believe that all of God's people can prophesy. We do it at different levels, in different ways. It's not all about Sunday morning, but all of God's people can prophesy. We're going to look at some verses in 1 Corinthians, the letter where we read most about prophecy. Paul wrote this letter not only to the church in Corinth, but it says at the beginning of the book, to all the saints who call on the name of the Lord. So that's you and I. This book has relevance for you and I today, although it was written 20 years after the church was born. Paul was addressing a number of issues in the church, and Simon outlines those last week. This church, the church in Corinth, was a thoroughly charismatic church, but they were living like the world around them, and they needed some clear teaching. To have a prophetic culture in our meetings and throughout all of church life together is how we are meant to live. Prophecy will always put Jesus at the center, draw us closer to him and will ultimately help us reach the lost. So let's read 1 Corinthians 13, and from verse 8, it will come up on the screen there for us, um, into chapter 14. So 1 Corinthians 13 in your Bibles, and verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 
For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to, to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. First thing I want to stress this morning is that spiritual gifts, all of them, are gifts for the church. That might be fairly obvious to say that. But they are not gifts for individuals. They are given by the Holy Spirit for all of us. Apart from the private use of tongues which builds up the individual, all gifts of the Spirit are for the building up of the ministry of the church. Therefore, along with other things, growth of a church is dependent on spiritual gifts. The chapter divisions here are a little bit awkward because we really should read chapters 12, 13 and 14 all together and that's why I read it as I did. Spiritual gifts and the theme of love and the use of prophecy and tongues within the church should all be read together and should not be separated. This passage tells us to use the gifts within our worship of God. That is why we encourage you to come forward and to bring prophecies as they did in the early church. At the end of chapter 14, Paul says, let two or three prophets speak, for you can all prophesy one by one. So I want to focus our thoughts this morning on chapter 14 and verses 1 to 3. And the first thing that Paul says there is to pursue love. To pursue means to follow or to run after persistently. To follow love continually. And it means to keep on following love. Paul could well have had the athletes of Corinth in mind when he wrote this phrase. An athlete pursues long and hard in training and practicing day in and day out to enter the race. They put all their efforts into one race to stand on the podium and to get the gold medal. Pursue love in that way. Rivers flow, to give you another analogy, rivers flow, don't they, from mountains down to seas and oceans. They pursue the same course. They always go the same way. It never differs. Pursue love. Christ loves his church and will never stop loving his church. Christ adores his church. He adores each one of us here. And we are to imitate that same agape love for our brothers and sisters. Agape love is not a feeling. It's firstly a commitment of love and desiring the best and the good for our brothers and sisters. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Paul said, faith, hope and love abide, but the greatest is love. Jesus commands us to love, doesn't he, in many places. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, everything that we have, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus also says, pursue love. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love each other. Love yourself. 
And in chapter 13, Paul echoes Jesus' teaching and mentions for us some love builders, things that will help build love, like being patient, being kind, trusting each other, protecting each other, honoring one another, respecting one another, being full of hope for each other, being faithful. All these things build up love amongst us. A verse that impacted me when I was first a Christian was John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, our relationships of love are prophetic just at that point, before you say anything. Our relationships in the community, when they see the love that we have for one another, are prophetic to the community because the community doesn't have the love that we can have for one another. Our relationships and the depth of love we have for each other are foundational in us growing in our prophetic culture. Love is foundational in growing as a prophetic person. Paul says, if we do not have this agape love, we're like a clanging symbol. And that was probably a reference to the goddess of sexual love of that day. Clanging in an, an awful sense. They will know that we are Christians by our love. If we don't have love in our hearts, then when we prophesy, we'll be prophesying from the flesh and not the spirit. Just a practical tip for you. Often when I uh, have a prophetic word for somebody or, or for uh, a group of people, one of the confirming signs I have in my heart is an overwhelming sense of love for that person. You're feeling God's heart for that person at that time. So Paul says, pursue love, seek after love, strive for love, run after love. Earlier in this chapter, Earlier in this book, uh, Paul instructs the, the Corinthian church to run away from two things. He says, run away from prostitutes, don't run into their arms, run away from them, and run away from idols and idol worship. But in this chapter, he says, run to, run, pursue love. As mentioned earlier, Paul would have known that the city of Corinth sponsored athletic competitions. He may have even watched this biannual games. He had this image in his mind of the athlete training and running his best to win. In the same way, he's encouraging us to run after love. Run away from the effects of the world, run after love. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. Run into the arms of Father's love, his never-ending love, so that we can love others. You cannot exercise prophetic ministry without love. Jesus, amongst many other things, is described as a prophet. He is our model in the prophetic. If you look at the I am statements of Jesus, they are prophetic. The cross is a prophetic statement for all time. It's not there now, but it stands as a statement to every human being. It is God saying very clearly, I love you. I want to give you life. I want to forgive your sin. I want to give you freedom and fullness. I want you to be my son and my daughter. The cross is prophetic. The second thing that Paul says here is to earnestly desire spiritual gifts or be zealous 
for spiritual gifts, as another translation says. So are you zealous for spiritual gifts? Ask yourself, or do you just tolerate them? You come to this church and it's just something you have to put up with because we have this funny way. On the 5th of June, 2016, I preached a a sermon on spiritual gifts. I'm very sad because I keep records of these things. And I asked you a question. I asked, have you grown in the use of spiritual gifts in the last year? That was two years ago. I ask you the same question today. If we haven't grown in the gifts, then I humbly ask you, search your heart. Do you earnestly desire them? Or are you leaving up to others? Spiritual gifts are love gifts to the church. They are love gifts from our Father to his children. And because they are gifts, they are never earned. They are not a sign of spiritual maturity. They're not a sign that you're a a super breed of special saint in some way or that you're super spiritual. They're not given as a reward if you follow some rules. They're not attained. They are gifts. You can be a young Christian and use spiritual gifts. Janine used a spiritual gift this morning in that picture that she shared. That's beautiful. Janine's a fairly young Christian. It's wonderful. Come on, let's do it. We need more of this. If you think that Father God will never ever give you a spiritual gift, then you have a wrong view of yourself, and more importantly, you have a wrong view of your heavenly Father. Our Father in heaven, he is the giver of good gifts, and he wants to lavish good gifts on each one of us. Let me read what Jesus said to you in Matthew 7. You'll probably know these words. They're very familiar. Matthew 7. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son should ask for bread will give him a stone, or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask? You can ask for spiritual gifts. It's not presumptuous. You can ask for the gift of prophecy. Your Father will shower these gifts upon you. Spiritual gifts are given for the common good and for all the church. Every believer is important and each one of us must be willing to receive gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Expecting us all to receive prophetic words is part of us growing in, uh, as a prophetic people. Expecting the person sitting next to you, you can have a little look if you want, expecting them to have words of life is normal church. But we do have a choice. If I offered you all a bar of chocolate this morning, it would probably be very sticky and soft and not very nice. But it would be a gift from me to you. You would have a choice whether you took it or not. We have a choice. We have a choice. We can receive spiritual gifts. If we choose not to speak out, others miss out. Okay, that's a Duncan quote. I thought that one up all myself. Okay, if you choose not to speak out, others miss out.
Now, there are some reasons why you may not receive spiritual gifts. The first is if you are an unbeliever, then you cannot receive a spiritual gift. That is because you're not born again of the Spirit. You do not have the Spirit of God living in with you. But that can change today. If that's you today, that can change. Because Jesus died upon the cross that you would be able to become a son and daughter of his. So that's one reason why you can't uh, receive spiritual gifts. Another is if you don't believe the gifts are for the church today. But as we read in chapter 13 and verse 8, prophecies and tongues will cease when the perfect comes. That's written in the future tense, when the perfect comes. It's looking to the day when Jesus comes back again. So when Jesus comes back again, prophecies and all the gifts will cease. The third reason why you may not receive is if, if you choose not to step out in faith and accept the gift. You have a choice. The Holy Spirit will never force himself upon you. I often say that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He absolutely respects us. He is like a dove. He will come and give of himself where he is welcomed. Say to your neighbor, you can prophesy. That doesn't exclude any of us. All means all. There's no distinction Joel 2.28, one of my favorite verses. Joel says, I will pour out, well, God says through Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. It doesn't say that they might prophesy, but that they shall prophesy. A prophetic culture in church expects to see words from God released all the time. Each time we worship, each time we pray and meet together, each time when we're in our homes with each other. We encourage the prophetic on Sunday mornings. I'm going to be practical here. If someone thinks that they have a word to encourage the church, we invite you to come forward to the host. And if the host believes that is right to release to the whole church on that occasion, that word is released. If it flows with the worship, if it's what God is doing amongst us, we receive that word then. Not often, but sometimes someone will have a word that's maybe for another situation or for them personally. And our meeting host has the decision to make. But we need to trust our meeting host and honor their decision. In this way, by doing it this way, we are seeking to grow as a prophetic people, to hone our hearing of God. The host may not always get things right, so we have, we have to show grace and we're learning together in this. And if we did, really did feel that person had a word that we should hear, we would hear it next week. We wouldn't ignore it. So that's how we operate for us. That's the practicalities for a Sunday morning. In fact, most of the words that we receive on a Sunday morning are words of knowledge, which there's a difference there. They're part of the prophetic, but they're slightly different there. They're things like we've heard this morning. Um, you know, people maybe have a, a bad foot or some situation they're in, and that's a word of knowledge which is distinct from a corporate prophetic word for us. In a church that has a prophetic culture, Actually, most prophecy will not happen here on a Sunday morning. Most personal prophecy will happen during prayer ministry, in healing house, in life group, in little gems, in children's ministry, in youth activity at the hub, over a meal at stitching time, at chess club, at food bank, 
out on the streets, if I've missed out what you're involved in the church, what was it? Cycling club, yes, you can prophesy on cycling club. It will happen in these contexts. I don't think the loos are too appropriate to prophesy, but you get my meaning, don't you? Whenever we are together, let's get practical again. Whenever you pray for another person, ask God for a prophetic word. Say, Lord, what are you saying in this situation? What are you saying to this person? True prophetic culture is not about Sunday morning. It's only part of it. It happens in everyday life in our Christian walk. Paul says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And he said this three times. If you read the whole section there, he says it in chapter 12, verse 31, chapter 14, verse 1, and he repeats it again at the end in verse 39. When we have such repetitions in Scripture, very close, it's important that we take note. He says, earnestly desire that you prophesy. Prophesy is simply learning to hear God learning to listen to his voice, hear what he's saying, and then speaking it out. I want to debunk any mystery over it. It's not a funny feeling in your heart. It's not palpitations. It's not a shaking. Those things might happen, but prophecy is essentially you listening to God, hearing what he says, and speaking it out. It's very simple, brothers and sisters. It's giving a, right, giving a word from God at the right time, in the right place, and, as we've seen, with the right motive. And that transforms people. So, quickly, how do we know that we've got a prophetic culture in the church? What does it actually look like? There's three things that we should expect if we're truly growing in the prophetic as a church. We see them in verse 3 there. Prophecy builds people up. What does this mean? The word used here is like the word to construct a building. So in the way, same way, prophecy builds people up, brick by brick. The traditional way that we uh, build buildings in this country is a great uh, metaphor for us, brick by brick. It develops people, it empowers people, it grows them, it helps them build Christian character, it releases them as being sons and daughters of the king. It sees gold in the person and draws that out. Prophecy helps build our identity in Christ. Now there's other things that do that as well. But prophecy is really, really key in doing that. It reveals what is possible. It builds people's confidence. Not many of you will know me from 10 or 15 years ago, but the prophetic has had a profound effect upon my life. People prophesying stuff into my heart, my life consistently 10 and 15 years ago has shaped me. In the healing house, we... Mostly, we very often prophesy over people when they come for healing. And I've seen some transformation in, in your lives through prophetic words being released into your lives and seeing change. The second thing we see here that prophecy encourages people. Prophecy will always, always be encouraging. If you hear a negative personal prophecy, then you have to ask yourself, is that from God? Because we should test all prophecies. It's very clear here that prophecy will encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Prophecy may bring a challenge to your heart if you're on a wrong path, but it will always encourage you to turn back to Jesus. Prophecy will never condemn you 
or make you feel a failure. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit never speaks to us in that way. He will challenge, but he always points us back to Jesus and our Father. The prophetic that we have received here in the last two years corporately as a church has consistently been saying to us, because I keep a note of all the prophecies, has been consistently saying to us, take my love, take my gospel out onto the streets, to your neighbours, to your friends, to your work colleagues, to the workplace. God has consistently been saying that to us. That's encouraging, isn't it? It stirs us forward. Are we hearing that? Prophecy, thirdly, brings consolation and comfort. Part of the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer is to comfort. Comfort brings strength into our lives when we feel vulnerable and weak. When we prophesy, we see the person through the eyes of the Father. That is why it comforts and strengthens. Comfort with the comfort that we have received ourselves, Paul says elsewhere. In developing a culture of prophecy, we need to bear in mind that we see things dimly, as Paul says in chapter 13. Only the prophetic, often the prophetic gift is impressions upon the heart, and we can sometimes not perceive them with 100% accuracy. And we need to give a little bit of grace to one another in this. You know, I've, I've known occasions, you've probably heard this illustration before, in the last church I, I gave a word of knowledge about um, a person who'd been to their GP that week and he diagnosed them having blood pressure and they, they, they were very concerned about it. And uh, no one responded. And next week this lady came up to me and said, I've, got, I've, I've just been to my GP and um, I've got a bit of blood pressure. Was, was that word for me? Yes, it was. <laughs> we need to give a little bit of grace and be responsive in, in, in these things. We do see uh, through a mirror dimly, but soon we'll see face to face. So prophecy is never to be put upon a par with scripture. It needs to be discerned and weighed. But we are allowed to make mistakes and get things wrong. I've got things very wrong at times. It's part of our learning to hear God. We need to give grace to each other in these things. The elders will not be at your door and beat you up if you have a good and loving heart and you get things a little bit wrong. That's not how we operate, okay? We are for you in this. We want to encourage you in this. Paul did warn the Thessalonian church, though, not to despise prophecies, but to embrace the gift even if it seems a little bit messy at times, let not dis let's not despise and be negative about the gift of prophecy. Let's receive words with love and grace, thinking the best of each other. If we ignore the prophetic among us, that is another way of despising the gift. So in a growing prophetic culture, we're going to witness these three things, being built up, being encouraged, and being comforted. Lastly, one of my favorite Old Testament stories uh, is in the book um, of Kings, and it's about Elisha and the floating axe head. You know the story? I did speak on it about a year ago. The head of this axe was uh, borrowed, uh, and it was used, and it fell into the, the river, and um, a miracle happened, and the iron axe head floated, and it was retrieved. 
this wasn't my interpretation, but one interpretation on that miracle says, where did you lose your gift? Where did you lose your anointing? Go back and retrieve it. Find it again. And ask the question, where did you lose your prophetic edge? Go back and pick it up again. This, I think, is a word for some this morning. You've somehow, over time, you know, just lost that radical prophetic edge. You may be disillusioned in some way. Repent, retrieve it, pick it up again. Amen? For others, maybe we need to start on the journey in the prophetic. Learn to connect with the Holy Spirit, hearing him. And start delivering, start saying, start speaking what God says. So will we become a truly prophetic people? I believe that we can. We're on that journey. It helps us mature. It will help us to reach the lost. Because prophecy will always reveal Jesus. So Paul says, pursue love. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. Amen. Can I invite the band to, to come back? Um, I do want to, uh, as they're coming, I'd, I want to, us to, to pray together. And uh, I've got some prayers here that uh, I'd love you to join me in. I, I don't want to force anyone to, to pray anything. They don't want to pray. That's not uh, the way we operate. Um, one of the prayers will just come up on the screen here, the first of them. And this is a, a repenting and renouncing prayer. This is in true freedom in Christ style, okay? And lots of us are very familiar with freedom in Christ. So we just want to turn from these things. And I'll just read them out to you, then I'll invite you to pray them. And then we've got the positive responses on the next slide that we can pray together as well, okay? So I repent from and renounce the lie that I can never hear God or prophesy. Some of you actually believe that. And that is a lie. You can hear God and you can prophesy. The first time you heard God was when you became a Christian. The second thing I want to prevent and renounce from the lie that Father God would never speak to me. Okay, some, some people believe that he speaks but he won't speak to me. And the third thing is uh, renouncing and repenting from despising of prophecy uh, which we have thought or spoken. So even if, I, I take the view, even if there's a little bit of that in me, I just want to get rid of it. Do you know what I mean? Do you hear my heart? Because I don't want anything to stop me in my relationship with Jesus and what, all that he's got for, for us and as a church. So can I invite you to stand and we'll, we'll say these uh, prayers together and uh, then um, I've got some others that we can say as well. So all together. I repent from and renounce the lie that I can never hear God or prophesy. I repent from and renounce the lie that Father God would never want to speak to me. I repent from and renounce any despising of prophecy which I have thought or spoken. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit Christchurchhailsham.org.